I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse. And you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. Before you say yes to something, pause. Say, I'll get back to you. Because oftentimes when we are in that pleasing mode, it's just like, yes, like, of course I'll help you, like pops out of our mouth. Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Katie Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. This is episode 44. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening? We would love to know what you think. For today's episode, we're going to talk about how and why you need to stop people pleasing in your business, which... I really, really need a lesson in. So I'm very much looking forward to this discussion. But before we get into it, Jesse, what are you drinking this morning? Mm, I'm taking it easy with just some black coffee today. So, um, yep, mm. can't go wrong with just a dark roast from Starbucks made at home, just uh, the black coffee. So, although I have so been drinking good. a lot of their chai tea lattes lately, and they're just so uh, good, but I feel like they are a little bit on the heavier side being the latte. So. Do you like pumpkin? I do, but you know what? I feel like I, every time I try to get like a pumpkin in my drink, I'm never satisfied. So I've kind of really. Given up on, what do I you try- mean, like not enough or too much? It's too much. It's too oh. much. Yeah. So I maybe I, I, maybe I just like my pumpkin in doses, small doses. You know, last episode we were talking about like um, I was saying a white Russian. I wonder what a like a pumpkin. Do they have like a pumpkin Russian? Hmm. Um, would you, Oh, you know, maybe not pumpkin, but I wonder if you put like cinnamon or nutmeg, like on top, I don't know uh, if that would work. Oh though. yeah. No, I, no, I think like a pumpkin liqueur added to it. Oh uh, yeah. You know, that might be good. You'll have to try it. Let me know. Cause I, yeah, I, I, like, think... I do like white Russian. So yeah, I do. I, you know, I might, I might just have to try that guys. If anybody knows like how to do like a pumpkin white Russian or something, please DM us at cocktails and content creation, <laughs> or you can, you know, DM me at fashionably Kate and co. I, I would love to know. So just a little call out to the universe right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, now that we uh, have that important business out of the way, let's get into our discussion with our guest, Linda Katz. Our guest today is Linda Katz, and she is the founder of Seeing Bird While Feminine Life Coaching. She teaches women how to shed the good girl pattern to reclaim who they are. Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, very excited excited to have you on. So first off, we have to start with, I mean, no, it's before noon in Texas. (laughs) Uh, But we must start off with, what are you drinking? And we won't judge if it is alcohol before noon. I got something that kind of looks like a cocktail, but it is actually just a Topo Chico with lime, which is a great, you got, Oh, Topo Chico. No, it's like a, like a mineral water. Oh, it's huge in Texas. And Uh so it's great. If you ever want to like, you don't want to get a beer. It's perfect for a warm summer day. Add a little bit, squeeze a lime. You can add vodka or tequila to it. So is Topo Chico wow. the like the a brand, the brand name? Yes. Oh. Yeah, it's the brand name and it's super like super carbonated. It's just like it's that. really good. Yeah. Okay. So if y'all ever come down to Texas, it's everywhere. Oh I'll my god. Check uh the market basket this weekend when I go shopping. I doubt they'll have it. I, you know, they've got Doritos at the market basket, so maybe. Okay. <laughs> 
We never know. You never Maybe. know. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've gotten, as I, as I often say, the most important business out of the way to begin with, uh, please, Linda, tell us a little bit about your journey and what it is that you do with uh, Singing Bird Wildlife, uh, Wild Feminine Life Coaching. Yeah. So I... I would say that I started this journey probably about a decade ago now in wow. 2010. And it started with this yearning to find what I call my wild, which is really like another way of saying I wanted to find a life that felt authentic to me. Because why it was around 29 at the time, it was getting to be the time where I was moving into my 30s. I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I spent the next probably five years going on what I call a version of the hero's journey, where I broke out of all of the kind of external cages that I felt like were keeping me constrained. So I got into a new relationship. I quit my corporate job to pursue coaching full time, which I, at that moment in time, didn't really know anything about. It was like, leap in the net will appear. Um, I ended up, we, my husband and I, we moved from California to Austin, Texas. I got new hobbies, got a lot of new friends because I was living in a new place. So at the end of those five years, you know, in this effort to find my wild, my whole life looked different. Like pretty much everything on the outside of my life had changed in those five years Wow, or everything of significance. And so you can begin to imagine my frustration, disappointment, confusion when I still didn't feel the way that I thought I would. I still mm. didn't feel wild. I didn't feel like I was my authentic self. Like there was still something that was keeping me kind of caged. And so in a lot of ways, that was when what I consider almost more of the real journey began for me. Because that was when I started to realize, oh, there's a cage that I take with me wherever I go. And in the many years since then, and through my journey, I've realized that that is now what I call the patterns of the good girl and the tyrant king, of which, you know, people pleasing is one of the main ones, perfectionism, these things that would really kept me kind of within myself and afraid to take some of those like emotional risks. Um, and now that's the journey that I am so excited to work with other women on is really beginning to dismantle that inner cage. And, you know, what's interesting is for a long time, I would get, you know, almost 90%, I would say of my clients are female entrepreneurs or solopreneurs. And for a while I was like, I don't get it. Like, why are they always entrepreneurs? Like I'm not a business coach. I'm not a marketing coach. And so it took me a while to kind of realize that a lot of times when we go into business for ourselves, it's because we have a message. We have something that we want to share with the world. And when we run up against those patterns of people pleasing that sometimes if we worked a corporate gig, they can actually, we can be rewarded for when we go into business for ourselves, those very patterns kind of prevent us from, from standing out, from mm. being willing to claim our message. You know, they keep us safe by keeping us small. And when you're actually wanting to put your work in front of people, it's like you have two opposing forces within you at the same time. 
I totally agree. I feel like women too are always taught to, as you said, kind of be small, like, you know, there's the, and it comes down to even the physical, right? The man spreading, right? And then women have always been taught to like cross their legs and kind of take up as little space as possible. Yeah, You know, so it even comes down to the physical, um, what society is kind of imposed, I would say on us. So it's, so it's so interesting. I mean, yes, because an, an entrepreneurs, let's face it, they're kind of, they're striking out on their own. They don't have the boss to necessarily people please anymore, but now they still have to make money. So they're trying to maybe people please their clients or their audience or whatever, whoever they're, they're dealing with. Yeah, so. it can actually get worse, I've found, because at least that was in my experience, because now all of a sudden, your very livelihood is tied to like, people always talk about no like trust, right? You're like, <laughs> so you're like, I need we talk about it all the like, sign, right? I need yeah. people to like me. And yeah. so we forget about the the no piece, like to actually get to know you and who you are and what you stand for and what your business is. And the trust piece that often comes also with the knowing you. But when we're stuck in that people pleasing pattern, we're like, okay, I need people to like me. Otherwise, yeah, I'm not going to make any money. I'm not going to survive. Well, I think it's important for people to remember that, you know, while yes, we want people to know, like, and trust us, we need to be catering to the people who we actually want to work with and that's going to be the people that know that authentic self so that we can do the best work that we can do yes yeah exactly exactly well so let's let's take a deep dive into this because this is something i have been a people pleaser my entire life how do we stop people pleasing in our businesses I wish I could tell you that here's like the easy three-step plan. <laughs> <laughs> we, we probably knew it wasn't going to be that. We simple. knew it wasn't going to be simple. That's why I said, let's take this deep dive here. Let's get into it. Because it's, you know, these patterns, they've built up oftentimes over our entire lifetime. So I think that it's important to be realistic and to be kind and compassionate with ourselves when we're beginning to confront them. Um that is going to take time to change. And the first thing that I would say is that oftentimes there can be this sense of wanting to, um, you know, like there's a lot in our culture of like feel the fear and do it anyway, like just push through. And I think that while that can work sometimes, it can also backfire and it can really kind of um, impair our relationship with ourselves. Like, because really that's a form of like self-bullying. (laughs) when we come down to it, like to kind of push ourselves beyond where, you know, I'm all for expanding the comfort zone, but in ways that can feel kind and compassionate. So the way that I typically work is to dive kind of underneath the behavior of people pleasing. And so the first thing is to just, I would say, if I were to break it down into steps, not that these are necessarily the easiest, but the first one would be to notice it and to name it. Because I think that oftentimes, especially when it comes to creating content in our business, we can just like, we sit down at our computer and nothing happens. And then it's like, we, we use this terminology of like, I'm stuck. And so I think that, you know, noticing and naming and giving some extra nuance and texture to what's happening can be really helpful. Like, are you stuck because you've been 
so focused on what other people want to hear that you haven't actually been considering what it is that you want to say. And so therefore, when it comes to down to creating content, you actually don't know what it is that you want to say. Or is it that you have, um, you know, you do want you do know what it is that you want to say, but you are afraid to say it because maybe you have old coworkers who, you know, from a previous life that you're like, I don't know what they're going to think about this or new colleagues, new peers that you maybe diverge from, from what they believe or what their point of view is. And you're like, I don't want to offend my new friends. (laughs) And so that could be another reason why it's like, So just beginning, that's the first thing I think is just to notice and to name that this is what's happening, that sometimes stuckness can come as a result of one, not turning towards ourselves, not really knowing what our message is, and two, knowing what it is, but being afraid to claim it. So that's kind of the first piece. I think that's really important. And I think, um, I think, and maybe this is some of the work you do with your one-on-one clients, but like, I feel like there's even times where there might be a situation where you're almost in denial a little bit and you don't, you, you, it's almost even hard to admit that like you're afraid to, to even say or, or write about or do the things you need to do because of those fears that others may be looking at you or judging you or not in alignment with the direction you want to go. So I feel like that, and I know, you know, this, it can't be broken in down into three steps. So maybe that's some of the work you do is to like help, uncover those realities and be able to actually name it when you do see it because a lot of the times I know I mean just like you know just being a human being it's like well what's wrong I don't know you know it's like and and we get so wrapped (laughs) up but and all we want to just leave me alone I don't know what's wrong yeah and not taking the time to actually like like spend with yourself to understand like okay what's wrong (laughs) let's boil it down a little bit yeah and I think that's, it's always helpful to have somebody else who can point out our patterns because oftentimes we're just blind to them. It's exactly. like, we've just been in yeah. them for a long time. Exactly. You know, uh, and this, this wasn't actually part of our questions, but I'd be really interested to hear, I know you work mostly with adult women, right? But I think that it also, it needs to start at a younger age, maybe some of this, this practicing more of be, you know, embracing ourselves, embracing that wild within us. So if, you know, what would you say to somebody who came to you and said, you know, my daughter, I, I want her to be able to really embrace who she is. Like, what, what do you think are some t- steps that like parents can teach their kids so that mm. they don't end up in a place down the road where they're saying, I'm doing all this people pleasing. Like, how, how do we start that process right. younger? That's a great question. I think my my gut sense is to be curious about your child, like to be curious because oftentimes people pleasing starts with pleasing our parents. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So th- there's that. So I think that it's to be curious about who your child is rather than who you want them to be, mm-hmm. I think is a really important place to find out what it is that that they want to just open up that that questioning and that dialogue and and mirror what you see so the same thing like you know one of the ways that we might learn to please is that maybe we feel like certain facets of who we are 
or, you know, when we're younger, we have like huge emotions, right? Sometimes as young women and they're not, there's no space for them. And Mm -hmm. so that's one of the ways that we learn like, okay, here's a, this part of you is not fit for anything. Like you need to just go to your room and that's, that's that. And so I think creating space for and being okay with and comfortable with big emotions and just saying like, oh, you know, I, gosh, this must be really frustrating for you Mm -hmm. and actually inviting them to move through the emotion so that they know that like their entire self is safe with you. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a really great point. The other, so I have a two-year-old and the other day she actually said for the first time, I'm mad. And I was like, mm. oh, this is the first time. I mean, you know, to there, and she's discovering all these emotions and everything. And I didn't necessarily know how to deal with that, mm. you know, because she was mad at me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and because I was telling her, no, you, you can't do this. And she looked at me and she said, I'm mad. And, yeah. you know, my first, my first gut, my first gut reaction was like, well, I'm sorry, but. <laughs> Too bad. Too bad. (laughs) You know, so no, that's a really, that's a really great point because I don't want her. I, you know, as I said, I've grown up a people pleaser. Um, I feel like my mom has been a a people pleaser and she's, you know, she's uh, later on in life, she's just kind of breaking out of that mold. Um, and it's taken a lot to do that. And I feel like I'm starting to break out of that mold as I step into my own business. Jesse certainly has talked about several times, you know, the power of saying no, um, which I think is a big part of people pleasing and, and just not being able to figure out your, you know, yourself. Um, so yeah, I just was wondering how that, like how we could, how you can start young. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want it to keep going the cycle. Right. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good point that you brought up Kate. And I'm glad we were able to like sort of digest that a little bit. Um, because well, I think now, so much of our behavior is like ingrained. Yeah, and so as you mentioned, you know, it starts, a lot of it could start with people pleasing our, our parents. So, yeah. um, but okay. So, so we talked about that first thing that you can do, which is really like notice and name it. And then we mm-hmm. kind of got on the side tangent on like, okay, before we yeah. even like get to adulthood, yeah, I know. what can we do? It starts early, <laughs> but let's get back to it. Yeah. So what's like, if, if we were to do that, that three point thing, what would yep. be the second thing? So that you kind of almost alluded to it already, which is that oftentimes what happens when we do start to see it, because I think that a lot of, most of the women that I work with aren't like, I set out to be a good girl. Like, no, that's not, that's not what happens. We all want to be the the bad Sandy from Greece and not the good Sandy from Greece (laughs) kind of thing. You know, we're like, they're doing their own business. Like they have kind of this like association maybe with like, I'm a rebel. I'm bucking the system in some way. I'm not going to be, you know, like the standard good girl. So it's actually like that piece is oftentimes completely unseen. And when we start to see it or have someone point it out for us or name what's happening, oftentimes what happens is that we will judge ourselves and just meet that facet of who we are with disgust, with downright like hatred. Like, I just want to get rid of this. I can't believe that I have been like such a doormat my whole life, you know, like this, this negative self-talk. And this is probably, I think the biggest hurdle for, for most women is to realize like, 
that that facet of you, your inner pleaser, isn't your enemy. Like that she's actually been, she's trying to keep you safe. That's like, she's trying to ensure that you are safe by being small. She's trying to ensure that you belong by not sticking out. So her tactics are outdated, but she's really like this facet of you has tried her best. And so oftentimes when we try to meet it with like judgment, we actually like make some of her worst fears come true. And so instead it's, again, it comes down to that curiosity piece. I feel like curiosity is the antidote to judgment. So when we notice that facet in ourselves, like get curious about it. Why is it coming up now? Who am I afraid of like pissing off? (laughs) What is, you know, what does it feel like in my body right now to be creating this content that might feel a little edgy or just start to get curious about yourself, get curious about your responses. So that moves you out of kind of that, that judgment piece. And then second is having compassion. Like I'm, I'm much for like a more gentle approach to change. Cause I feel like it tends to be more sustainable. It's a lot kinder to ourselves in general, <laughs> um, but to have compassion for yourself that, like you said, oftentimes these patterns have been passed down from women from generation to generation to generation. This isn't like it's not like it's just a personal problem. And I think oftentimes as women, we internalize everything as just something like a personal defect. And it's to have that compassion to realize that this is actually large, like part of a larger cultural narrative that we're breaking and that it will be scary. And that of course there will be moments where you're like, I don't know if I'm the person who's ready to say this and that's okay. Like you can come back into yourself and cultivate your own sense of presence and confidence and so that one day you will be, but to have that. So I think that's really step two, meeting that with curiosity and compassion rather than judgment and disgust, I think is step two. Yeah, I would have, I would totally agree. So what would you say step three is? So step three, I think is turning towards yourself to really like get to know yourself, get to know, um, get curious again about who you are. And because so much of people pleasing is all of our energy is directed outward. It's all directed to other people, what their thoughts are, what their feelings are. How do we manage somebody else's experience of us? Right. So it's always out there. And so it's really like, it sounds simple, but it can actually be really profound is to begin to turn that inward and to get to know ourselves more deeply and what it is. Because when we've been pleasers for a long time, oftentimes we're very uh, cut off from what it is that we really want. We can be cut off from even like basic needs. So to begin to like come back into that. And I think for me, one of the important ways of doing that too is to come back into our bodies. Because I think that oftentimes we're just in our heads and we're kind of parroting back what we've learned. And when we come back into our bodies, when it comes to creating content, when it comes to crafting a message, like to be able to do it also from this embodied place of your own lived experience, to be able to speak from that, that's what really, I think, gives us this viewpoint, like this solid ground to stand on. That's not something that we've inherited or, and of course, there's the pieces that we've learned that we, we weave in but it comes back also into our own lived experience so that we can move from um, 
really like claiming our subjecthood and move from the inside out. How would we do that? How would we come in, as you say, come into our bodies and kind of come out of our head? What are some techniques that you do? Well, my favorite, I uh, teach a movement practice called Koya, which is a form of yoga and dance that basically is rooted in this idea that it doesn't matter what it looks like. What matters is how it feels to you. And I think that's such an important piece for recovering people pleasers to like to take it in from the movement standpoint and then like slowly let it seep into all of the other areas in our lives. Like what if you could live your life where it didn't matter what it looked like to other people? What mattered is that it felt true for you. Like radical. Yeah. That is <laughs> radical yet so simple. Well, I so think, simple. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's so many other aspects of life that this like is like resonating with for me. Yeah. It's it's, it's funny. My sister um has you know, she always is giving me nuggets of of wisdom and her and her you know, two years being older than me, but um <laughs> but she's she's always like, you know, you 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 can't control what other people do or think or say. And I feel like that is kind of in a, you know, on the same wavelength as what you're teaching this or saying is that you need to be, you, you shouldn't be worried because about what they're saying or they're doing because it's, you know, you can control you. So focus on, you know, and you know, the other, the other nugget she'll always like to say is like, you know, stay in your lane. It's like, yeah. again, you know, why do we put mm-hmm. so much energy and worrying about, what other people think or say or do or how they present themselves or, you know, are we, you know, and comparing ourselves to others. And, you know, I think I just see it in so many other aspects of my life. Like I'm, I feel like I've got the business under control, but there's other aspects of my life where I need to like, where these are like ringing true. It's really, it's really good to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it totally is. I'm just thinking of like, you know, I, I work from home, so I'm constantly the one running around for everybody, making sure Mm -hmm. everything's done. And sometimes it's just really good to be like, I'm sorry, can't do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it takes a lot. It takes a lot to say, to stand to, you know, and not, I know not that I'm standing up for myself, you know, but you know, it takes a lot to say no, for some reason that word can be really difficult and really powerful at the same time. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's, uh, so why, why would you say people pleasing and that search for perfectionism? Why do you, why do you think that puts such a, a cover on our creativity? Like keeps it, keeps it kind of locked up. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we never get out of the gate Yeah, <laughs> when, when we have the, the, cause again, it's like with people pleasing, I think we're so focused on everything that is outside that we never have the chance to even like begin to tune into and unearth our own creativity. Um, so I feel like that's a, a huge piece of it. And when we're so worried about like creativity is about taking risks, right? Like that's what like creative thinking is kind of avant-garde. It's on the edge. Like it actually like that's the space. And when we're pleasing, that's the exact opposite of what we're doing. And the same thing I would say with perfectionism is that like it just it, it prevents us oftentimes from even getting started because we're so afraid of making a mistake. Like mm-hmm. perfectionism is an ideal in every situation that doesn't really exist. 
for yeah. human beings. Like in the realm of human beings, there's no such thing as perfection. So it's like just this constant striving is like, it can also be a form of protection, right? Like when it's perfect, then I'll put it out there, you know, cause it's like, that's the way that we kind of just delay, delay that mm-hmm. vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that those two things, they just immediately kind of, it's like dampens that creative fire. It just smothers it out. Um, and I think it's really related to that kind of inner critic voice that like think, before we even start. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. go ahead. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think there's also like for me, I know as someone, I, I am a perfectionist and I always have been. And sometimes for me, it's a fear of failure because it's like, if I don't get it, if I, you know, if I say it's perfect and then I put it out there and it fails, it's like, well, I, I guess it wasn't perfect then. Right. That's yes. what it, sometimes what it comes down to for me is yeah. it's that feeling of, oh, if it, if I say that it's perfect and I put it out there, oh, well, I guess it, it wasn't perfect. I was wrong. I failed. Mm, right. That, so it comes down to that for me. Um, yeah. If you had, so I know we've gone through kind of those three steps, but it, if someone was to come to you today, and say, I am just a mess. I'm, I'm always saying yes to people. I'm always going out of my way to, to, to people, please. Mm. Are there a couple of simple, and I know it's like the all encompassing thing isn't simple, but if there, what are a couple of simple, like steps, exercises. First <laughs> steps, yes, mm. exercises that you would give to them that would kind of just start to get them on this path of, of freeing themselves basically from people pleasing. Mm. It's a great question. The first thing that comes up is this is like one of those really simple ones that can be really powerful is before you say yes to something, like if somebody asks something of you, pause, <laughs> like pause, say, I'll get back to you. Right. Cause oftentimes when we are in that pleasing mode, it's just like, yes, like, of course I'll help you. Like pops out of our mouth. You before just vomit. You just vomit. You yes. just vomit it out. Of course. Yes. Of course I'll help you. And then afterwards we're like, why did I say that? I don't have the time for this. I don't have the other energetic bandwidth. Like we start to feel like, you know, resentful of the other person. And so I think that just building in on the way to being able to say no, because like we've said, saying no and making it a full sentence is difficult. So this is like the baby step on the way to saying no is to say, maybe (laughs) to say, I'll get back to you. Let me think about it so that you build in that moment. And over time, you'll be able to do it faster. Like it it might be that you need to sleep on it at first to be able to tune in to, is this something that I actually want to do? Is this something that I have the energetic bandwidth for right now? Or is this just coming from this sense of obligation? And so to be able to build that in, I think is the first step. And it's often easier for, for folks, especially for women, to say like, let me think about it and get back to you than it is to be like, "Mm, no, (laughs) not feeling it, you know? So it's just to give yourself that buffer to be able to tune into what is your own experience. Because again, that's like part of the problem with people pleasing is that we're always out there that we don't even know what it is that we want or don't want to do necessarily. So it's like taking that pause. And then the second piece comes with when you say no, because a lot of times what will happen is that like, if you're responding to a text message or an email, you know, it's like, no. And then there's like three paragraphs of why it's a no. 
<laughs> and so it's just kind of standing in that like your no is enough. And what does that feel like? And at first it might feel wildly uncomfortable and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. Like it will be wildly uncomfortable, but just to practice that, like, no, I don't think that's something I want to commit to right now. I appreciate everything that you're saying right now, because I think there's in my own business that has, has evolved over, you know, years now that I feel like anytime I, I wanted to take that pause. It was hard to take the pause, first of all. And then when you do want to say no, there is that immediate reaction to explain yourself on why you're saying no. And now as a business owner, I'm able to, you know, I don't just like say nope and then like a period and then say like warm regards, Jesse. I'm, I'm not going to do that. That's not my style because, it, you know, to to your point, like being authentically, you know, yourself, I'm, you know, I'm always wanting to be nice. You can, you can be, yeah. you can set those boundaries and still be nice. So I'm, you know, but I, I don't go into long explanations as to why I, why I don't shoot families or weddings anymore. I just say, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm not shooting that. Here are a couple recommendations. Have a nice weekend. And, yeah. and that's it, you know, um, or if it's a project that I know isn't going to be a good fit, I just say, you know, um, no, unfortunately, I'm not available for that project and either give them a couple of recommendations and be on my merry way. But before I feel like there would be that, that hesitation to explain myself. And I see it time and time again, and all these mm-hmm. Facebook groups where people are like, help me with this response or help me with that response. What should I say? And a lot of people are like, uh, just say no. <laughs> But it's so hard. It's so hard. So I really appreciate that you took uh, that, you you know, taking that time to pause and think about it. No, it's so important. So important. And (sighs) it's funny because it's funny that you say that because I've I've unconsciously done that every once in a while where somebody will ask me and I'll be like. And sometimes before I even get to it, they're like, well, only if you have the time. And then I'm like, I don't have the time. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually, I actually said no to a client for the first time the other day. I just knew mm-hmm. it wasn't like, I, and I've never done that before because, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to make money and it's, you know, it's tough out there. And this person was asking for just too much and kind of fighting me on my rates. And I was just like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm sorry. I, you know, I don't think that this is going to be a, a great fit. Um, but best of luck, you know, and I was, and I was polite about it. You don't have to, as Jesse was saying, you know, you don't, you don't have to be rude. You just don't have to like go on and on and on, which I have done in the past. Totally. Hmm. And I think that's such a huge piece because I feel like boundaries have been such an important, like they're really up in Mm -hmm. the collective conversation. And I think that like, it's possible to be kind and have boundaries. It's possible to be yourself and have boundaries that you don't have to like, muscle up and be like, you know, like a, a badass or, you know, like rude about it. You can mm-hmm. actually still be very kind, but it's actually, you are being yourself because you're being honest. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that is the most important thing. You know, we talk a lot about authenticity and how that's the thing that resonates with people more than just putting out your best hits, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And um, I think it does come down to being authentic is is just taking on the stuff that that's going to work for you as well. You know, Jesse's done such a, yeah, but do Jesse's done such a great job because she did used to do like what should my wedding. Um, 
And, but when she was trying to figure it out, I didn't make her do it. Um, you know, she, she's figured it out over the years and she has like a specific style. I also have a specific style with how I do my stuff. And that's part of the reason why this wasn't going to work with this latest client. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it is, I think that's the only way you can be truly happy though, too, is, is when you are being yourself and doing what you want to do. Yeah. And I think that brings the people who resonate with Mm -hmm. you into your world. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we don't want to work with people we don't want to work with. Like, (laughs) That don't like us. That don't right, like exactly. us. You know, yeah. that's just and silly. it's okay for people to not like us. Like we don't have to no. be everything for everyone. I think that's like the kind of pleaser motto is like I have to be everything to everyone. Yeah. And it's it's okay to not be that, you know, like you said, like that you can then actually refer mm-hmm. people to others who might that might be a great fit. Yeah. Like exactly. that might be the perfect little match, but if that wouldn't have happened, if we're like, oh, I guess I can make it work. I don't really but, like this person though. But to your <laughs> point though, you end up starting to resent it, can end up regretting the situation. I mean, I've, I've been guilty of that in the past where you take on totally, you, know, you don't take that time to pause and you're just like vomit the word. Yes. Because you maybe, yeah. I mean, in some cases it's like you need the money. And obviously if you need to feed your family, that's like, Right. You know, it's like you might need yeah. to make those decisions, but, you know, putting yourself in a position to, you know, better serve yourself and be able to take that pause and not then three months later be like, why did I do that? Yeah. Yes. To do it consciously, like that, then you're doing it consciously. If you're yeah. like, I, this isn't the greatest fit, but I actually really need to feed my family. So I'm going to make it work. That's a yeah. conscious decision. That's right. not the pleaser, right? right. It's not. That's, that's it's, true. That's you're present. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think that there's, there's that piece where it's, and yeah, otherwise you end up in relationships where you're resenting the person. And yeah. oftentimes if we're blind to our pleasing, we don't even realize that we were in it. Like we're like, we're just angry at the other person <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. like they're just asking so much for me and like, you know? I think people so, pleasing yeah. comes down to you know and yes you you, you definitely want to do some things out of the good of your heart right you don't want to be doing everything to just serve yourself because that's not for most of us that's not the point of our business we're we're trying to serve right. others but I think that there has there does have to be a, a, a mutual relationship there, you know, and if it, I think when it comes down to, you know, you're the one who's doing all of the work and all of the, you know, the reaching out and, and every, nothing's coming back to you. That's the people pleasing right there. So, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to choosing something just, you know, because it is, it is putting food in your, in your family's mouth, you know, that is, that is still giving something back to you. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> This has gone in totally yeah. different directions than I expected. Oh, yeah. I love those conversations. Oh, good, this though. is my favorite that, one. That happens more often than, you know, we'd like to share. <laughs> so, Linda, it's been fabulous chatting mm-hmm. with you. Where can people so find out more about you and possibly uh, get in touch with you about your services? Best place. I'm active on Instagram at Singing Bird Coaching is my handle. And my website is singingbirdcoaching.com. Um, invite you to sign up for my newsletter. Those are the best places where I share any new offers that I have with folks. And um, right now I'm doing mainly one-on-one work with women, but I will have a year-long program starting next March. And I am planning on doing a mini course on this whole kind of the, what I call the heroine's journey to come back home to ourselves at the beginning of 2022. 
Ooh, that's going to be really good for like the start of the year when everybody's like, I'm going to do yeah. better this year. <laughs> I know. Well, especially yes. since let's face it, you know, New Year's resolutions for two years in a row have just gone oh, yeah. out the window. Uh, <laughs> look, I will survive. <laughs> I, yes. I think that's the one resolution we all need to be making for, oh. you know, 2022. But maybe, maybe for those of you who are still trying to make those resolutions, this might be a good one. Yes. So. Linda, thank you so much. It's been great having you on the show. And we hope that people, we know we've learned a lot. We hope other people will will learn to kind of get rid of that people pleaser inside of them. Yeah. Or learn to love her. She can get a, there she you can go. a little space yes. in there. Learn to love her. Oh, learn, I love that. We should love all parts of our ourselves. Yeah. So yeah. thank yeah. you. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. So one thing that we didn't have just in our interview right now that I really think people should like hear is um, I don't know post chat Linda said something about the difference between fitting in and belonging belonging mm-hmm. and I, I, I it's kind of funny I was like I wish people could hear this because it really made sense so she was saying that belonging is bringing yourself you know who you are to the table whereas fitting in is kind of leaving yourself at home And so, you know, when I, like, as Ariel gets older, because she is kind of that different, I can already tell she's going to be kind of that different kid, that kid who doesn't care what people think and everything. And I want to foster that. It's going to be that thing of you're not trying to fit in, you're trying to belong. So you should be bringing yourself into the conversation, which I think is also very much related to this, this idea of people pleasing, because people pleasing, if you're just trying to fit in and try to be like everybody else, do you have your own personality? (laughs) Well, I think it just makes you feel, you know, deep, deep down. It's just, you're not ever going to have that sense of satisfaction or you're always going to have, you know, maybe that anxiety of, did I say the right thing? Am I dressing the right way? Am I Mm. making, am I making the decisions that so-and-so wants me to make or that I need to make, or because society has told me I need to make whatever. I think, I think what ends up happening is these people have these, you know, you have the sense of insecurity of a sense, you know, probably can bring on a lot of anxiety, you know, with, with that. Um, And then just, you know, in her own story, in her own journey, she mentioned, you know, she never really felt satisfied or that she hadn't found her wild and so I think I think as long as you continue to you know go against your your you know authentic self or or continue to do what other people expect of you and have that cage you're gonna have you could end up having that sense of like loss or desire or that something is missing yeah it's it's we uh, it's funny because a lot of times we talk about on the show finding what makes you stand out, but then we do look, you know, we, we think about our business and I think of, uh, you know, I, I look at how I try to stand out on my Instagram and on my blog posts and try to make myself different from my competitors. Um, and then when it comes to like my actual business, I'm constantly saying, yes, I'll take this on. Yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll do that. Um, so I think I've got the two sides going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. You know, and I, and I don't think, you know, I don't, I think treating yourself with compassion is, is what she mentioned is, is such a big thing that we shouldn't be calling ourselves out on anything because that's never helped anybody. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just yeah. a note, guys, don't call yourself out if you're a people pleaser, just, you know, accept it and figure out how maybe you can move on from it using some of these techniques that Linda discussed with us, mm-hmm. who knows, might help. 
Thank you so much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. Make sure to join our Facebook group or you can and you can leave us a comment there about what you want us to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Cocktails and Content Creation and we'd love it if you'd leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. I'm Kate Andrews and you can follow me on Instagram at Fashionably Kate and Co. And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman Photos. Or if you're a brand photographer looking to look more into that genre of photography, I'm at the Brand Photographer Method. Make sure to tune in next time for another great episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. Until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy content creating.